Ah, yes. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We have had quite a break in between podcasts. I'd like to formally apologize. But firstly, let me welcome you to podcast episode number 94 of the Black Ink Podcast. My name is Jake Kerr. I am your host today, as I always am. And as I said, I'm sorry. I missed three weeks of recording podcasts. It fucking is what it is. Look, I'd like to say that life got in the way or addiction got in the way or I had some great excuse. I don't. I just straight out didn't do it. I just didn't do it. And I think this is a reality of, of what happens to most people is they rid themselves of this responsibility of a task they set themselves or someone else set for them and they make excuses and they justify those excuses with the emotions that they feel themselves and they can't remove themselves from the situation and realize that it's just them straight out not doing the thing they said they would do, which is fine because you're human and I'm human and we're all learning as we go along. But at the end of the day, the results speak for themselves. And just like I say in my prayers every morning, I let my results speak for themselves and therefore it allows me to ask for what I see fit. Now, can I ask you as an audience to trust me moving forward into the future to record at least one podcast a week? Well, according to my history, absolutely not. Okay, but moving forward, first things first, I would like to address... The thing that everybody is asking me about, which somehow crept out of my control and into the arms of the public, I guess you could say, is this fucking international shipping campaign. Now, firstly, I need you to know this was a joke, okay? Let me be very clear in saying this. I, Jake Kerr, am not starting an international mineral sand shipping company, okay? I am not going to be investing hundreds of millions of dollars into a company that transports mineral sands from one country to another country. Do you know why? Because that's fucking crazy, dude. What did you think? What did you think? Like, I totally get like, oh, you know, you said you were going to do something, so we believed that you were going to do it. A cargo ship company? I know people that can't get a fucking... Dude... I was about to say something that whoever it was would have figured out who they were immediately. I know they listened to the podcast, so I'm not going to do that to them. But I cannot believe that people have so much confidence in my confidence of myself that they think that if I think I can start a shipping company that I can actually do it. Guys, I did this to sell t-shirts, okay? Like, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the past 18 months, but my whole business is based around selling t-shirts, right? Man, it was one of those things. I'm going to be transparent with you, okay? And I'm going to break down everything that's been happening down these past three weeks that you're probably wondering about, you've been hearing bits and pieces about, but you're not quite sure. So let me just tell you exactly what happened from the start, okay? So I was actually going for a skate on my Wednesday night skate. As you all know, I enjoy doing on Wednesday nights with the Bunbury Social Skating Crew. I've gone for a skate and there was a, a ship in Birth One, which if you're not a Bunbury local resident, just so you know, Bunbury is actually a town best known for its port because we have a lot of import and export coming out of Bunbury, which is basically mineral sands and wood, right? So I saw this ship, you know, massive ship, a cargo ship, not one with the containers on it, but the one with the big holes in it that they fill up full of mineral sands or wood chips. And I saw that over at Birth One, which is one of the eight berths that we have, which is the, the the pen where the ship comes while you're loading or unloading it, or sometimes both. So it was at Birth One, and I looked at the ship and I was like, oh, that'd be cool if I could put black ink on the side of it. 
And I don't know whether Riz put the idea in my mind with something that she said earlier or whether I came up with it by myself, but I know Riz did have something to do with the whole kind of, uh, what do you call it, uh, conceiving of the plan, I guess you could say. But I thought that'd be fucking cool. So I hit up my designer and I say, I've got this kind of, this idea of putting black ink on the side of a ship. Can you do it for me? And he did. And he sent me this beautiful graphic and it was beautiful in essence, but it wasn't beautiful aesthetically. And when I looked at it, I was like, I see the potential in this, but for it just to be like a, a, sh- a shirt design, like I don't really want to invest too much more time into it. Like I kind of just like getting it and like making some minor alterations. This is the kind of thing where like, I feel like the style he went for was something totally different to what I was anticipating in my mind. But sometimes that's the beauty of having a designer is you don't get what you think looks good. You get what they think looks good. And the advantage to that is, they make good looking things all the time and you think you make good looking things all the time, right? There is a distinction there, right? So when I get these things back, I try not to question it too much. And I was like, look, it's not super strong in my eyes, but what can I do to make it super strong, right? Now, as I've said before on this podcast, and as you've probably heard me say on my Instagram or my Facebook in real life, my product can be absolutely brilliant, but my value as a merchant lays in my ability to sell that product, right? So we'll reword that so it makes a bit more sense. I can have the coolest thing in the world, but I ain't shit unless I can sell it to people. I can have the best designed t-shirt. I can have the coolest looking thing for sale, but if I can't communicate this thing to the audience, to the potential customers, and hopefully just customers, not potential customers, people actually buy it. If I can't tell them this thing exists, then this thing has no value, right? It's only valuable if someone's going to pay for it. And therefore, as a merchant, as someone who sells something, my value lays in my marketing and advertising and transactional abilities, right? Which actually kind of suggests the fact that if I had a shitty product, I'd still be able to be a millionaire off it because it's not about the product. It's about your ability to sell the product, right? So I looked at this product that I had, which was a design on this, a design assuming, assumingly fit for a shirt, and I thought, I'm not going to sell a hundred of these t-shirts. I'm not going to sell a thousand of them, but I can definitely sell 20 of them. And as you know, I have my 20 in 2022 campaign running this whole year where I released 20 different shirts and each of those shirts are created 20 times, each with unique ID tags on the inside to let you know exactly which one of the 20 that you have never to be reprinted so that you have a little slice of black ink history. I thought, what a perfect installment for the 20 and 22. As shirt number five, and I am running a little bit behind because we're in the fifth month of the year. I've got 20 of these shirts to release and I've only done five fucking designs. But hey, as I get better at it, I'm going to be able to pick up the pace. And anyways, that's later down the years problem. Don't worry about that right now. But I thought this is a perfect t-shirt for exactly that. So I thought, okay, how do we sell 20 of these? We just got to get 20 people thinking that this is a gangster design. Or we get 20 people thinking this is a gangster idea, okay? And that's that's the shit right there. 20 people that think this is a gangster idea. So you know what I did? In my mind, I go, oh, I'm gonna pretend I'm starting a company and that this is the merch for the company. This is the stuff that helps them like blow up sort of thing, right? So I go down to the port, I make some bullshit things talking into the camera saying, hey guys, I just want you to know that like it's kind of been a lifelong dream of mine getting into the mineral import and export sands business. I feel like it's something that I can really make an impact in, blah, 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 blah. And you know, you know that your boy's got the gift of the gab, okay? 
You know that I could sell sand to an Arab and ice to an Eskimo, and therefore I can sell a fucking black ink international shipping tea to you, right? So I did that. I made some stories, I recorded some videos, and anyone who kinda knows me, actually, scratch that, anyone who kinda knows the fucking internet knows that I was joking. You know why? Because I'm talking about international mineral sand shipping, which no normal person is aspiring to interject in their career, right? And that's all good. That's all good, because I get there aren't like indicators of me joking everywhere, like being in the fucking t-shirt business for 18 months or pulling off other little silly jokes on my story and always having a laugh and all the rest. But that's cool, because I love all the encouragement that I get. And when you encourage me for what you think is a real thing, but is a joke for me, I don't feel bad on the inside. That's motivation for me to get more people to fall under my spell. And I know that sounds terrible, but I'm just having fun with my life. You know, I don't hate my job and I don't hate waking up to my alarm and I don't hate the things that I have to do today um, because, you know, I'm getting paid to do them, whatever it might be. I love everything that I do. And when I see something catching fire like that, I'm the one who's running to get the jerry can out of the back of the car so I can throw more fuel on the fire. You know what I mean? I'm having fun with this shit. So then my mind starts ticking over. What else can I do? How can I make this so believable that even my parents are like, hey man, I've been hearing shit at work about you buying a ship or something. What's this about? And I'm like, oh my God, I win, right? So I start thinking like, right, I need like a detailed reel. I need stuff that like makes it so believable that I'm doing this, that even the people who are like, nah, he's fucking around, believe that I'm doing it. So what do I do? I start talking to people and obviously all my mates like, this is brilliant. You know, I've got people asking me what the fuck you're doing. And to me, oh, game over. I win. So they start feeding me all these crazy ideas. Anyway, I got actually so bogged down with so many other things happening, like the fucking, the bar events. I've got the winter range coming out. My mum visited for a week. I got a new push bike. The weather's been turning to shit. So you got to do things with that. And obviously just the, you know, the general workings of black ink. I got kind of thrown all around and I realized that I really need to put a full stop into that story so I can start the next story, which is the winter range. We're going to get into that in a second. So I found myself at the point where I was like, right, I have to release this shirt. I had the the mock-up made. Um, I'd been wearing it around myself for a little bit. And also I had the perfect kind of, uh, you would call it like a ramp up on Instagram where I spend two or three days really just engaging and not posting much. And then you do heaps of engagement on that last day and then do a really fire post, whether it's a real or really like sexy image or carousel, whatever it might be. And that kind of steps you up to have the best possible exposure to as many people in your community and your kind of surrounding warm community of people who know of you but don't follow you. When you follow that strategy, it's kind of like the best way to implement something you really want to just fucking blast off. And then you add on getting all your boys to like throw comments on it and chuck it on their stories and bullshit like that. And you can really make a post perform exceptionally well with realistically not that many followers, right? So I'd done all of that. I'd gone to the port the day before and recorded some videos, some in slow motion, some normal, some fucking around, some, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I... 
I actually, from memory, I started building it the night before the video. Like I got this ridiculous kind of like um, tempo building piece of music where it was like building this rhythm and it kind of felt like, oh, something's coming, something's coming, something's coming. And then I matched that with videos that I found on YouTube along with the videos that I recorded at the port, along with the videos that I recorded down at the jetty, just getting like clips of me near the ocean and boats and stuff like that. And I put it all together to make this beautiful minute long masterpiece. And if you haven't seen it, I really encourage you to go to my Instagram or my Facebook page and find the shipping the, the shipping video, right? Now, just to let you know if you've got the right video or not, you'll know it's the right one because at about 35, 36 seconds in, it says T now available with the graphic above and below it. It really kind of highlights the fact that this was all for a T, okay? Now, I posted the video I immediately had the shirt selling on the website, bang, 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 bang. I had the VIPs that I let them have it the night before, before it went on general sale, bang, 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 bang. So I think I sold like 15, 16, 17 of these shirts right off, right off the bat. Super stoked, all done, cool. Dust my hands, I've done my bit. You know, to me, selling 15 shirts is selling out because it's it's just the bulk of them you need to get rid of because you obviously like, I need to keep one. The guy who bought the NFT gets one of each of the 20. So he gets to keep one. You've got three left. Dude, first time I have fucking prees around here with a few boys and I got those three shirts sitting around. Someone's like, oh, you've got one of them left. Bang, 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 sell them all. Sold out, okay? So 15 out of 20 to me is sold out, right? So I'm happy, I'm happy. The story has been told and it's all done. And I thought to myself, well, I said in the video that the tea is now available. So it must be obvious that that's what this was all about. You know, like, oh, shipping, 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 shipping. Then all of a sudden, the guy who has a t-shirt company says the tea is now available. To me, that's when the fucking bell drops and you go, oh, this motherfucker just took me for a ride. He just took me for a ride. And I'm the fucking idiot. That's what I think. But I've been in the game a minute, so I'm allowed to think like that, right? So you're probably thinking like, oh, cool, that's that story. Jake's going to move on to the next topic. No, dude. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. You ready? So Riz wakes up on Saturday morning. And I did this on Friday. Riz wakes up Saturday morning. She's got a message from this chick. And she got it at four o'clock in the morning. Okay? She's actually got several messages from this chick on her requests. So she opens it up. And she goes, hey, do you know... Do you know this chick? And I was like, yeah, I know of her. Like, she's Bunbury. I fucking know everyone. You know everyone. She goes, yeah. She said that, like, I need to answer my phone and, like, do some explaining because, like, you know, everyone wants to know sort of thing. And I'm like, what? Need to do some explaining. Everyone wants to know. I need to answer your call. Bitch, who the fuck is calling anyone at four o'clock in the morning? And, like, come on. It's Sunday, four o'clock in the morning. I know you're kicking on from last night. Okay, I'm not judging you. Hey, cut, you know, fast forward 24 hours. I was still kicking on from Saturday night at nine o'clock in the morning. I'm no better than you. I just know what the situation is. Okay, so I'm looking at this message and I'm like, she needs some answers from me. You know, and I'm thinking, I'm starting to think like, have I done something here? You know what I mean? Not that I have a guilty soul, but have I done something here? Like, need some fucking answers. I'm like, I don't know what this is. She goes, did she message you? I go through, I mean, I've got fucking 150 Instagram accounts and shit. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't look like she fucking messaged me. No. So Riz messages back like, ha, 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 what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about? What do you, what, do you, what do you mean? And she sees the message and then doesn't respond. Oh, dun, dun, dun. 
another five minutes pass and Riz is like, question mark, question mark. And then I look in my phone, sure enough on my personal account, oh, message request from homegirl saying, hey, you need to answer your girls, we need to know, everyone thinks they're fucking smarter than you, they're trying to, no, she said they're trying to outsmart you, rah, rah, rah. I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then she replies to Riz. And she's like, we just need some answers around like Jake shipping thing. Like everyone's saying so many things and like, I know it's just a joke, but like everyone's trying to outsmart Jake and said that he can't do it right or right. I win. Hey, hey, regardless of what she said, regardless of what Riz responded to her, regardless of what ended up in my inbox, here's the truth. It was four o'clock at kick-on somewhere and people were having a debate as to whether Black Ink was starting an international shipping company or not. Now, I don't give a fuck what the topic of the sub uh, of the conversation is, but if Black Ink is being thrown around in a conversation at four o'clock in the morning at kick-ons after a night out, I win. That means that my marketing is so deliciously on point that people, when they're fucked up and aren't thinking of anything, are thinking of black ink. I am adding culture. I'm adding fiber to this boring as fuck town in a way that the kids who are, who, who are literally, I mean, society is the kids who are coming up. It's the future. The thing they're talking about is my shit, right? And I'm not saying that's necessarily good for society, but that's fucking good for black ink. That speaks so much about my ability to market, especially when you think three years ago, I was, I was proud of how well I could drive a truck pulling two trailers. That's fucking huge. I took it upon myself to learn how to market a brand, how to market myself, how to speak on camera, how to come up with concepts and how to execute them. And now I'm looking at people messaging my missus, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in my business because I built and executed such an effective marketing campaign. Bitch, fuck with me. That's what's going on. That's where I'm at. That's what's going on right now. Something that was a fucking side idea that was a bit of fun, that was seeing how well I could convince people on my story on Instagram turned into someone messaging Riz saying, what the fuck is going on? We need answers. And no, bitch, no one's going to outsmart me in the t-shirt game. Dude. Hey, that's what's up. That's what's up. So long story short, if you want to get one of those t-shirts, there's a small handful of them left and I'm not even kind of advertising them for sale, but I'm guessing that if you're listening to episode 94 after a three-week hiatus of this podcast, that you are what's known as a diehard Black Ink fan and for fuck's sake, I want you to have one of those three shirts, okay? So if you are interested, hit me up in the DMs and we'll figure it out from there. Now, next topic, the winter collection. Hmm. Let me reset myself. I like to hold my breath while I'm making these big points. So I I, 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 I cut myself back from oxygen. I kind of hit like a bit of a, what would you call it? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's definitely a conversation for another podcast. The winter range is something that I'm super excited about. So let me start from the start because I feel like that's another one that if I don't really 
properly explain where I'm coming from, it'll probably seem a bit all over the place. So the way the winter range started was, it was actually the week before my mum visited. Now, my mum has been home now for, I want to say, a week and three days. So she's been gone for 10 days, take another week off that. We're looking at 17 days, so probably about 20 days ago now, close, you know, 10 days off a month. I started throwing some numbers around. I thought, you know, I what I do is I come up with an idea. Um, I create that idea as an item that I can sell on my website. Okay, so let's nuts and bolts this. I come up with a design. Okay, so this is my design, this shell. Okay, so here's my design. I go, cool, here's a cool design. I then create an image on Photoshop with this design on a t-shirt and then I make that image a product that you can buy on my website. You then come along and go, oh, I like the way that that looks. Very cool, I'm gonna buy one of those. And you buy the shirt and then that $60 then goes into my account or $57 by the time everyone takes their fucking two cents worth. And then I use that $57 to buy a shirt and to print on your design. And then I also use that $57 to post it to you and blah, blah, blah. So you have your shirt, but essentially it didn't exist before you purchased it. All it was before you purchased it was an idea. It was a concept. It was an agreement that if you buy the thing that looks like that on the screen, that I'll create that thing and send it to you. Now, this isn't wrong, okay? This is what's called bootstrapping. This is doing things without borrowing money and doing everything that you can do that's available to you at that moment. Now, I've done that since the reconception of Black Ink. I wouldn't say from day one of Black Ink when it was a coffee van eight years ago. But in the past 18 months when I decided to reboot Black Ink and get going, that was essentially the program that I was going to be using. The financial structure was if I had $1,000 to spend on the business, I would spend $1,000. And when the $1,000 ran out, if that $1,000 didn't generate another $1,000, then the business didn't have any money. So every dollar that I spent had to generate itself into the same amount or more, otherwise the business was gonna fail. And it's kind of, a, it, it's two things. It's really good because it keeps you loyal to the business and to the dollar. The bad part about it is you got one shot. You got one shot because when it falls, it's gonna be hard to get back up, right? And don't get me wrong, I've flown close to the sun every fucking day for 18 months. I've had no money since I decided to do all this and it has got a little bit further back and I have had to sell assets and I've had to you know, fucking give away things that I didn't wanna give away and I've had to beg for things that I didn't wanna to have to beg for. But one thing that I know is the structure has stayed integral and standing up the whole time. If the structure fell over, I wouldn't be able to rebuild it. Now I can sell all the shit, the chairs out of the structure. I can sell all the windows. I can sell all the doors, but the structure has to stay there. Now, the other way you can do business is with borrowed money, which means that the structure is always going to stand there. The chairs are always going to be in the right place and the windows are always going to be there and the aircon's always going to be on. Everything's going to be fine, right? But the cost of keeping all of those things there and operational and going is at the expense of interest and the confirmation that you're going to be able to turn all of that capital into more capital, which is essentially what I'm doing, the bootstrapping method. 
But to do these moves with $10,000 instead of $1,000 makes you able to do a lot more. It makes you able to compound the amount you can earn if your formula is right. Now, if your formula is wrong, you just lose all that money. You have to pay it back with interest. The business falls over. You have to either start from scratch or walk away, right? So with my method of bootstrapping, and it's not my method, it's a method that I employ for my business based off the cap, the capital and the availability I have of funds and resources, right? So what this has allowed me to do is in the past 18 months, it's meant that I've stayed very true and honest to exactly what's going on. I've, I've been very transparent with the podcast and saying I don't have money or this project's been put back because I can't afford it or I'm not doing this because of X, Y, Z. But at the same time, it's also allowed, I mean, in the past just six months alone, I've got a heat press, I've got a vinyl cutter and printer, I've got a screen printer, I got myself a new push bike the other day, we've moved into a house out of a caravan. So you can't, you can't be that poor, you know, trust me, you fucking can be that poor, okay? But what I realized is I'm now at, I would say, uh, probably... Probably not the summit, but I'm, I'm very close to the top of how far bootstrapping can get you while maintaining a sustainable lifestyle, okay? And without getting too much into the finances of my business and exactly where the money is made and how it's spent and how I use that spent money to propagate more money for the future, just the black ink sect of my business, so just the actual making black ink garments and selling black ink garments, which from the surface really all black ink is to the majority of the public, right? It's just a brand. To move that forward, continuing to bootstrap would only get me a certain amount of uh, progress in say, let's use a 12 month cycle as an example, okay? So let's break that down what it looks like. I can continue to make a shirt, uh, you know, a design every two weeks and release it every two weeks, selling 20 shirts every two weeks. That's only gonna get me so far, okay? Um, I can release a new design and put it on a hoodie and on a shirt and release that and like continue to make the 50, you know, 50%, 40%, 70%, whatever it is on each individual garment as they individually sell. But I thought to myself, let's pretend that someone gave you $100,000. How would you spend it? And these little critical thinking thought exercises are brilliant to do, okay? And just so you know, I didn't read a book to tell me to do this. I didn't have a mentor say like, oh, what if we did this? I just fucking thought about it myself. I gave myself the permission to think outside of my own mind and come up with answers to questions that I've never thought about before. It's, it's fun. It's fun, you know? It's kind of like asking yourself, hmm, if I was gay, which dude would I fuck or which dude would fuck me? That's a really fucking interesting one. That's, yeah. And it's along the lines of like, Jared Leto is too feminine and Brad Pitt is not feminine enough. But, I asked myself $100,000, it wasn't really feasible. I didn't really understand what $100,000 bought because I've never had $100,000. You know, I've never had to deal with $100,000. So I ramped it back and I said, what does $10,000 get me? Okay. Well, $10,000 kind of looks like, I guess you would split it up like this. I'll probably go this, this, and this. Um, I guess I would make a winter range because I'm coming into winter. And before you know it, I had this breakdown in front of me saying, well, I do hoodies, Crewnecks, track pants, beanies, check shirts, jerseys, socks. That's what I'd do. 
And I think with what I know about my audience and with all the data that I've got from everything that I've sold in the past, here's exactly how many of each of those that I would produce and I think I could sell. And if I were to do them, I think I'd probably make a men's and a women's range because I know that the women in my audience are getting to a point where they're sick of just wearing the guy's stuff. They want their own stuff and perfectly understandable. So I started to keep on keeping on. I figured out, right, how much does it look like? How much will I sell it for? How much will it cost me to buy? What sort of designs do I want to put in there? What's the configuration of those designs? How much would it cost me to get those designs made? Can I produce all of this myself? The things that I can't produce, where would I get them produced? Can I get in contact with the suppliers? And all of a sudden I spent, I would say probably, I probably put 20 hours into it, just building a lookbook, building a breakdown, building a timeline, building everything around like, right, what's all the information that I can possibly collect on this concept, on this idea? What's everything that I can figure out? What's every hidden expense? And I really just start, you know, started putting on paper and putting more on paper and then digitalizing it and then, you know, building spreadsheets and building as much as you possibly can to it until I got to a point where I was in the car with Riz and I said, you know, with 10 grand, I can do this, 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 and this. And more importantly, with everything I make, I think I could sell them. I think I could sell them. I think 10 grand, I could make about 350 to 380 products, whether they're socks or whether they're beanies or whether they're you know jumpers, whatever they might be. And I think I can sell them. And Riz goes, well, now's the time to do it. And it's funny, you know, in that moment, I didn't even fucking hesitate. I was like, she's right. Now is the time to do it. Now is the time. And then instead of trying to figure out what I could do with $10,000, I figured out what the future looks like with these two different realities that I can create based off the decision that I'm going to make right now. So the first one is I'm going to continue bootstrapping, continue doing a single product every two weeks. And, you know, obviously that comes with its pros and cons as well. Some of the pros are I get extremely good at that process. The ability to come up with an idea and execute it into a finished product in such a short turnaround time and do it over and over and over again, that comes with so many pros. Now, the con that it comes with is one of the cons that it comes with is you are stuck making the exact amount of money that that can generate. And sure, that can blow up into, you know, X, Y, and Z. The likelihood of X, Y, and Z actually happening, though, are quite minimal compared to the amount of money and the amount of capital that can be generated with this other idea. What does that look like in a year? Well, my plan is to design, produce, and sell all of those garments in four to eight weeks. Four to eight weeks, right? Now, with that in mind, if I can execute that, I can design, produce, and sell a collection again for summer. Or maybe I can do like a um, spring collection and then a summer collection. See, for me, it starts turning into, okay, well, I know that the two-week block thing, or it's actually more like a four-week block where you design something, you know, design, create, produce, sell. That is more likely a three, four week block thing. I know exactly how much money that makes and I know that I can do that. Now, I don't know that this winter range, that this building a collection of 350 articles that I don't have to go and sell, I'm not sure if I can do it, but let's say I can do it. The return on that is exponential compared to the return on this. 
not just the financial return, but what that does for the character of Black Ink and what that does for the expectation of my customers is so crazy compared to this because this is what everyone is expecting, okay? Now, I know that the other brands, the other brands that have already made their name, the Street X is the whatever you want to say, they're not paying attention to the guys who are bootstrapping because the reality is 99% of bootstrappers aren't going to fucking make it, right? They're not going to invest their time or maybe even collaborative attention on someone who is most likely not going to succeed because they're treating it as a side hustle. They're not taking themselves seriously. They don't have any real plan. They don't have any real goals. They're not working in one particular direction over and over and over and being consistent. Now, if you create a collection, well, I'm at a point now where my work, my, my results and outcome have got me to a point where not only I am confident in what I'm doing, but other local businesses and shit they are also confident me confident in me in that they're asking me to do their parts of their business for them that I specialize in and also asking for me to be part of their creative team, right? So as far as I'm concerned, internally, I now have the ability based off how other people perceive me and how they want me to react and kind of help their businesses. I have that ability to execute particular things within my own business. And on top of that, I personally feel powerful and strong and forceful in my attention to this particular project in a way that I am undoubtedly going to do well out of this. I've made so many singular things that putting a bunch of singular things together into a collection, creating a really fucking detailed plan, figuring out exactly how much that is going to cost going out and borrowing the money to make it happen, I can't lose. I can't lose. I can't lose. Right? So for me, this is like the chapter has changed. I'm still in the same book, but I just moved into like chapter three. This is chapter three for sure. And the fucking diehard podcast listeners know I had a moment where I went to chapter two for Black Ink. I remember I announced that on the podcast. And I remember this was not long after mum left. I think I was starting, you know, I had attained the money. I was paying for this. I was paying for that. I was getting the ball rolling. And I woke up one day and I felt different. I was like, oh, this is chapter three. This is chapter three. Like I feel like at the moment, and it's not the doing of it, right? It's not the it's not the coming up with the collection. It's not having the idea. It's not any of that. It's the moment when I undoubtedly knew that this was the next step and I wasn't questioning going into debt. I wasn't concerned that I had to ask someone for the money. I wasn't, I wasn't worried that maybe this could fail. All I could see was the next step that I had to do and that that was it. And the part that's important there is I haven't been in debt for so long now, I can't remember. I haven't been in debt since the day I sold my business, which was April 21st, five or six years ago. I haven't been in debt for that long. And, you know, I'm, you know, a couple of hundred bucks here and there. That's not real debt. I mean debt. You know the debt. The debt that you wake up first thing in the morning thinking, I owe the bank $400,000. I owe the bank $35,000. I owe my dad $7,000. You know those debts that you wake up and they're the reason that you have to go to work? I haven't had that debt in over five or six years. And now, I have 
the memory of sitting in front of my financer, a mentor of mine who said, there's going to be a day where your business needs capital and you're going to need that, that injection of money to take it to the next level. And you're going to know when that day is and you're going to know exactly what that looks like. And when that day comes, I want you to come to me first because I have faith in you. So I went and sat down in front of him and I said, right, I need 10 grand. Here is what it's going to look like. Here's how much it's going to cost me to make. Here's my breakdown. Here's my timeline. Here's every fucking bit of information that you possibly need, right? And I built all of those spreadsheets. I built all of those documents and PDFs out of my mind. I built them out of my mind, okay? I didn't have a formula. I didn't have something that I could copy. I didn't have something from from my memories that I could reference and go, I know this is what this looks like. I built it out of my fucking mind. And when I delivered it to him, he said, this is exactly what I want to see before I give away any money because I need to know that you've got a plan in place and, and it's going to look like something in X, Y, Z, right? So he unquestionably said, yeah, sure. Sure, we'll get the money to you as soon as possible. We'll have a contract written up, X, Y, Z, done, right? The chapter turning for me was not holding my breath before I asked him for money. Because I knew that like, it's not a case of like, oh, I just got to get the money and then I got to try my very hardest. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to get the money. Whether I got it off him, I get it off someone else, I get it from the bank, I get it off a fucking, a bad person. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to get the money. When I get the money, I'm going to spend it on this. And when I get this, all this shit's going to arrive in the mail. And when that arrives in the mail, I'm going to build all these really cool clothes. And once they're built, I'm going to take photos of them, promo them. And when they're promoted, they're going to fucking sell out. It is that simple. I already see it. That confidence is chapter three. It's fucking crazy. And now I'm about to release my first collection that I borrowed $10,000 to make happen. That I put myself out on a limb that I've never been before, but so confidently just climbed out there. I'm like, oh, this is a new limb. Oh, cool. What the fuck? What the fuck? You know? So I guess this is the moment that I proudly announce that there is a winter collection coming to fruition in the next couple of weeks. All the designs are unseen before. They're absolutely on another fucking level that you can't believe I'm doing crazy I wouldn't say crazy. I'm doing different color releases. I'm keeping it kind of fresh and vibrant while also keeping that same black ink theme. And I've really, really tied in my um, my coded cryptic and also kind of scientific taste into these designs. I feel like you're either going to love them or you're going to hate them. And the way they're kind of put together as far as like what I've crammed into these designs as well as like the color tones, the way that everything is weighed up so it looks nice on the on the garment. This is just a new level. I've really tried to elevate every part of my game with this with this little kind of project, I guess, to something that is almost scary to me. And I think that's what this is about. You know, I've uh, I've identified that to progress, you have to be moving in a way that scares you. And to be effective at progress, you have to not be scared of the scary area. You have to not be uncomfortable in the uncomfortable zone. You have to be like, yeah, man, I don't give a fuck that one of my shoes is tight and one of my shoes isn't. I don't give a fuck that I'm standing here in the cold breeze and I don't even have a shirt on and my nipples are hard. I don't give a fuck what it takes to be successful. I'll be successful, you know? 
and whatever successful looks like. Maybe it is having cold nipples in the fucking wind. I don't know. Whatever it looks like, though, it's just fucking being there and doing the damn thing. Now, enough about the winter range. Enough about being motivational and successful and fucking, you know. I do have... I do have something that I want to promote, okay? And you can see right behind me here is a poster that I've just recently erected. If you're watching on, if you're only listening to this, I'm pointing out to a mostly black poster that has white and purple highlights, okay? This is, of course, the Brooklyn Bust Up, which is happening this Friday, the 27th of May, down at Brooklyn 32, which is, of course, 32 Kerry Street, across the road from the silos. We are kicking off at 5 p.m. with a DJ starting to play at 6.30 and entry being charged from 7, which means the doors open at 5, but if you get there before 7 o'clock, you get free entry. If you get there after 7 o'clock, it's $5 per person who enters. Now, what do you get when you enter the doors, you're asking? You get an orange wristband. Boom, goes around your wrist, okay? And on that wristband, it says Brooklyn 32 and Fitzgerald's. I don't know what you're thinking. Hey, Jake. Isn't this a gig at Brooklyn 32, not at Fitzy's? And to that I say, yes, child, it is, okay? But when you leave Brooklyn 32 and you wander down to Fitzy's and there's a line from asshole to breakfast time and you're thinking, I'm not going to wait in that line, you don't have to. As long as you've got on that wristband, you get the queue jump and you get half price entry, which means you just walk up past all the dickheads in the line. Da, 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 da. You go past Glenn, you go, hey, what's up, player? And then you walk all the way up to fucking the place where you pay for your entry. And instead of saying 20 or whatever the fuck it is, they go, half price, baby, cluck, 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 click on the stamp on your fucking wrist and you're walking in, you're having a good time. Hopefully walking out within Bunbury 8, you know what I mean? Which is like a, a standard four and a half. Anyway, once you're into the, okay, Forget all that. Go back to my event that I was talking about. So, doors open at five, free entry before seven. When you get in there, you're going to get yourself a wristband that gets you Q skip and half price entry at Fitzy's. But more importantly, while you're at Brooklyn 32, having a fucking fat time at the Brooklyn bust up, you are going to get $5 red cans and cruisers. You're going to get $8 house pours, which means, you know, your Jackson Coke, your, your fucking vodka lemonade, all of those sorts of things. They're all $8. And your vodka Red Bulls are going to be $10. We're running the fucking wildest drink specials to get all you crazy motherfuckers motherfuckers who like partying like animals. We want to get you down there early. We want to get you fucked up having a good time. Now, we're not going to open up the rooftop. We're going to sit the DJ right in front of the stairs so that nobody can get up there. And we're going to cram every fucking person we possibly can into that downstairs area. We're going to get rid of all the tables and chairs and shit. And we're just going to create a fucking dance floor with a fun smokers area out the front. We're going to have a little area along the side that's all going to be roped off outside so you can still have fun be out of the music be out of the loud noises still talking with your homies sort of thing but basically we're just trying to make a little fucking party okay and this all came about because the owners of brooklyn 32 came to me and said jake you're the sickest cunt we know right and i said i know I've got the certificate at home. It sits right above my graduating year 10 certificate. They're the two most proudest certificates that I've ever received, okay? And they said, Jake, we don't fucking care about your certificates. We want you to run an event for us. I said, hey, say less, daddy, right? 
So what do I do? I smoke a bunch of weed. I get out with my pen and paper. I write down all my good ideas. I came back to them and said, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be a Brooklyn bust up. I'm going to have the fucking firest DJ in town. I'm going to be giving away tickets to people who I think are cool as fucking definitely going to come and bring all their friends. We're going to hit capacity before the sun even goes down. Okay. This is what I want to do. This is how it looks. And they said, Jake, you're the sickest cunt. We just don't want to get in your way. We just want to give you free reign. So what did I do? I took the free reign and I made the coolest event that Bunbury has seen in 2022 and I made it into a fucking thing. Okay? I created it. I gave birth to this idea into the physical space. And now, on Friday from 5 p.m., we're going to be fucking busting up at Brooklyn 32, having a fat time, creating memories so that everyone who didn't come feels like a dickhead. I'm too animated for my own good sometimes, huh? Anyway, that is what is going on this Friday at Brooklyn 32. Come down, have a party. I'm actually going to be doing a little bit of walking around through the crowd, interviewing people, and then putting together a fun little video for after the fact. I'm also going to be doing a bunch of social media stuff for Brooklyn 32 as well. So if you have any questions regarding um, Brooklyn 32, the bar at all, or maybe you want to host an event there or do something fun there, you can speak to me, you can speak to them. I'm kind of in bed with them at the moment. So just a little transparency there. But... Apart from the international shipping t-shirt, the winter range, and the Brooklyn bust-up, which is being hosted from 5 p.m. this Friday at Brooklyn 32, I don't really have that much else to tell you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to come to my event. I want you to buy one of those three international shipping shirts so you can start getting the sex that you deserve, okay? I want you to stay posted about my winter release because you know as soon as that shit drops that every motherfucker is going to be trying to scoop up the limited edition purple jumpers and crewnecks that match the fucking pants making a whole tracksuit. Anyway, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to give away too much. But I also need you to be good to your mum because I am fucking out. Eeyow!